You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. You can open your Bibles again over uh, to Philippians chapter 1 to begin with. We're just going to review a little bit from last week. Talking about the fact that God has established, He has begun a work in us, and that God is faithful to bring that work to pass. And what I want to do throughout this series uh, is we're going to bounce around in the book of Philippians. They're just, as we've been going through it in men's group, there are just a number of verses uh, and and ideas and uh, truths that have stood out to me, and, and we're just going to kind of bounce around in them for a few weeks. We're not do, by any means doing an exhaustive uh, study, but uh, so last week we started out with this this verse from Philippians chapter one, verse six. It says, "And I am convinced and sure of this very thing." that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. So part of the point there and something we need to understand is that God himself is committed to growing us up, to developing the work he started in us. There is a there are gifts he's placed in you. There is a purpose that he has had, a divine purpose for you and for your life in this generation that he has you living in, that he conceived before you were ever knit together in your mother's womb. And he's committed to developing that and bringing that out and equipping you and empowering you to to have that role to to mature spiritually. All right, to develop, to grow in him. And a part of, you know, we talked about last week that when we read the letters of Paul, there's a lot of emotion in them. And some people seem to set that aside as just sort of, that's just a human thing. Well, it's not just a human thing because we looked at uh, the verses that tell us that all scripture is God-breathed and the things that Paul wrote are are scripture. And so, the, the emotion we see, his passion for the Philippian people, his passion for God, his instruction to them, all that comes out of the heart of God, and we can receive it as the heart of God. He talks in this book a lot. One of the main themes of this book is joy. We talked about that last week. Joy and rejoicing. Joy is a noun. It is a, it is a fruit of the Spirit. It is something God produces in us. Joy is a thing, for lack of a Uh, better term. And rejoicing is a verb. It's an expression. Anytime God puts something in us, whether it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, any of the fruit of the Spirit, he puts something on the inside of us or is being produced out of our walk with God. It's being produced in us. It comes from the Lord, but we always have a choice as to how much we walk in it, how much we release, how much we release peace in our life instead of agitation, worry, anger, fear, that kind of thing. How much we release joy. And we know from other verses that when the people of God release things like joy, like peace, there is because because those things are fruit of the Holy Spirit's life in us, because they don't just have a natural origin, 
Okay, fruit is not there to for the tree that's producing it. Fruit is not there for the tree that's producing it. Fruit is there to release the life of the tree that produced it. It is there to multiply what is in it. When when a, a you know any kind of fruit, you know, an apple tree produces an apple, it releases nutrition, it releases seed, it is something we can eat and be strong, it is something that can be carried off to plant that life of that apple tree somewhere else. It's the same thing with this. When the church rejoices in the face of difficulty, in the face of oppression or persecution or just hard times or things that are going on in your life, when we make the choice to release the fruit of the Spirit in the face of that, there's tremendous spiritual power that is released. That not only the first thing it does, it changes us. It changes our attitude about life. It changes uh, the way we're getting up in the morning, the way that we're viewing our life. You know, I was thinking this morning, almost every morning, not all the time, but almost every morning, that what comes to my mind when I wake up is, this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And it doesn't matter if things are good or things, are, I just declare that. I just like to declare it at the very first part of the day. Sometimes I don't feel like this is the day that the Lord has made. I don't feel like I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. But you know what? It's a choice that I make. It's what the word says. And if you will start your days with those kinds of declarations about who you are and what's available on the inside of you, not because of circumstances, hardly ever because of circumstances, you know, circumstances can make you happy. They can't give you joy. You know, it's joy comes from the Lord is a part of his nature. So a, a big part uh, we're going to see of this letter. And just remember, as he writes this letter, and again, we're just going to touch places in it. Paul wrote this letter from a really bad situation in a Roman prison. And if you look at some of Rick Renner's writings and people like that that are good church historians and have been to all these countries, seen all these places, uh, this particular place where he was being held was under uh, the, I guess you would call it the palace area uh, and, and so it was down and it was the place also where the sewage was released through. So these prisoners would from time to time have this big release of sewage going through their uh, cells. And there was darkness. It was not a happy place. And from there, Paul writes about the power of rejoicing and how to keep joy alive in our hearts. So as, as we go on, it's not really where we are today, but as we go on, We'll see more and more of that. And again, we laid a lot of groundwork last week, so uh, you can you can go pick up those podcasts or or watch the videos on our website and pick up that teaching. But let's go over. We're going to go uh, to a different place right now and just pick up a verse that goes along uh, with this one. Again, let me read Philippians one sixty one more time. I am convinced. Remember, we looked at that word convinced. It means I have absolutely no doubt in my mind about this truth that I'm speaking out over you. I am convinced and sure of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ. That is God's faithfulness right there. Right up to the time of his return, developing that good work, perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. All right, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
verse 8. Again, these are we've looked at these verses before. Some of my they've just spoken to me all of my life. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Did I say first Corinthians 8? I meant first Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. Okay. Um So it says here, we're going to have to pick this apart a bit. It's again from the Amplified Bible. It says, and he, God, will establish you to the end. He will establish you to the end. So that means he will complete this establishing, and we'll look at what that means, of us. But that's going to be a work that goes from the time you make Jesus the Lord of your life to the end, whether that's when Jesus comes back and you go to meet him in the air, or whether that's when you die and leave the planet, when you see him face to face, that's when that work will end. He will establish you. So again, this is displaying for us God's faithfulness to us and his, uh, his work that he's going to continue to do in us. He will establish you to the end. He will keep you steadfast, give you strength, and guarantee your vindication. He will be your warrant against all accusation or indictment so that you will be guiltless and irreproachable in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah. Irreproachable means nobody can reproach you. No one can uh, succeed in accusation against you. No one can bring condemnation that sticks to you. No one can... Uh, come against you in a way that's meaningful because of what Jesus did. All right, it goes on and says, God is faithful. This is verse 9. He's reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise, and he can be depended on. By him you were called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So it says here that he, God, will establish you. And that that word establish, um, it means God will confirm and ratify the fact of your salvation. We give our lives to Jesus. We accept his work on the cross on our behalf. And we say, Jesus, I recognize that I need a savior. I cannot make myself holy before you. I cannot bring myself to a place You know, I was just having a conversation with Gary. You know, God's standard of holiness is himself. So when people feel that they can be, I'm a good person. God will take me to heaven because I'm a good person. Well, the standard of holiness is God himself. The standard of holiness is, is Jesus. The standard of holiness is sinlessness. So if you are that person who has never in your life even conceived of a sinful thought, then I I guess you have a place to stand. But since that's none of us, then we need a savior. We need the blood of Jesus. We need the grace of God. Every one of us. And so we recognize, well, Jesus was the Son of God. He was sent to die for my sins. And Lord, I accept that by faith. And you know, it has to be something that the Lord reveals to the heart. It can't just be, you know, mental assent. 
okay, I'll agree with that, and then go on with my life. There's a transformation that happens in our life when we, when we make that decision. But God, this verse says he will establish you, and it means he will then, so, so we enter into salvation or eternal life, and eternal life enters into us at that point. But then there's the aspect of that life that is now in our spirit man, working out, being established in our thoughts and our behavior, our choices, our lifestyle, our direction in life. That's being established. It is a progressive work of the Holy Spirit with us. We have been invited into participation and companionship with him. And as we live in that, that that salvation, that life that exists already, it's a done deal in your spirit. But my, I still think a lot of things that are not godly. I still do some things that aren't godly. I, and so there's this progressive transformation that has to be that life permeating our whole being. And that's, that's part of what's being talked about here. He's, he's confirming and ratifying the fact of your salvation, releasing the power of salvation through your entire being. And the result of that is that we become... Strong, stable, scripture says here in the Amplified, steadfast. That means we're not constantly wavering and changing and doing one thing one day and another thing another day. We become stronger and more stable and more fixed in our relationship with God and in our walk with God. We don't need a new work of salvation. We just need that work to permeate our whole being. And and the Bible talks about the renewing of our minds in that. And he will strengthen us to the point that we become a source of strength for others, like he does with everything. Whatever God does in us will come to a place of overflowing out of our lives. Steadfastness is not a common attribute of our culture. And and for some, just by personality, we tend to to just bounce from one thing to the next to the next, jump from job to job, jump from uh, focus to focus, you know, whatever it might be. And and so there's a steadfastness to the nature of God that we see in all these kinds of verses. He's going to establish us to the end. He's going to keep developing that good work in us clear up to the day Jesus comes back. Okay, that means he doesn't quit. He doesn't change. He doesn't run out on us. And we're, of course, to not run out of on him, to partner with him in that. But that steadfastness, when I first got saved, and I did, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus when I was, let's see, I was still in high school. I must have been 17. That's my senior year of high school. And I, I gave my life to Jesus, and I know that I was saved. He, you know, there were changes that happened in me at that point. And I, and I didn't understand at the time why, if I'm saved, and a lot of people ask this question, to me it was like, well, I know Jesus did something in me. How come I can still have some of these thoughts and participate in some of these? Shouldn't, shouldn't I be perfect? You know, well, it's not the way it works. You know, this is a developing thing in us. But I didn't get really, really serious. I read the word. I had a relationship with him. But it was several years before I came became really serious, and that happened through going to Believer Center and hearing the Word taught and just you know experiencing so much more of God. But during those years, I would be close to God in His Word every morning, going along for a while, 
And then I would kind of drift away and, you know, there'd be a little bit of that. And then I would, I would feel convicted about that. And what always struck me was I, I'd realize, man, I'm so sorry, Lord. And I'd, I'd repent of that. And it was in my heart. It was like I could see myself turning around and I'd bump right into Jesus. He wasn't clear back where I had left him. He was right here, you know. And, but I lived that way for a long time. But then once I got, I got more serious about God, and it did. I mean, coming to a church where the Spirit of God was moving, the Word of God was being taught. I mean, that's what, honestly, I, I, that just changed my life so much and the influence of this woman right here. But all of that together, then, I, you know, I don't do that anymore. I don't, not saying I never make any mistakes, but I, I you know, of course, but but I don't live like this. That's steadfast. God wants a steadfastness. And he will, did you get it? He will. If, if you let him, he will establish you. He will make you stable. He will make you stronger. He will uh, get you fixed in him so that then you can begin uh, to pour out to others. And then it goes on and it says, he will, this is such an incredible statement. He will be your warrant against all accusation or indictment so that you will be guiltless and irreproachable on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means when we stand before God because of the blood of Jesus, he himself is the warrant that comes up. If if the devil comes in to accuse and say, well, they did this or they did that or they thought this or whatever, it that warrant, that uh, legal decree because of the blood of Jesus means none of those accusations hold any water in God's eyes. You will not come, you will be guiltless and irreproachable in the presence of God on that day when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ because of the blood of Jesus. So we know that in this earth, we have accusations that people will accuse us. People will, and, and I'm not saying, again, we all make mistakes. We all do things we shouldn't have done. We all, but, but the devil is the accuser of the brethren. The, he is the one that throws accusation after accusation. And usually the point of that is to get us to take on a sense of condemnation, to take on a sense in our hearts of being unworthy of God, instead of like we talked about at communion, actually, coming and saying, and coming to the throne of grace when we really have made a mistake. The devil will accuse you of all kinds of things. We live in a society that's really busy accusing others of whatever it is they disagree with. They're, they're making all kinds of accusations against Christians, all kinds of, they make fun of Christians, they make, you know, uh, accusations that are not true, all that kind of thing. Jesus is, if you let him be, the keeper of your reputation. We, the, he is our warrant against accusation, which is an incredible thought. But the way we partake of that uh, freedom from accusation is through faith, like everything else that he has provided we stand and when we're being accused, you know, there are sometimes places where we need to defend ourselves, but most of the time we get off track with that. I think it's rare or or we can do that. We can we can put up the truth and then leave it alone. 
Arguing with an accuser is a waste of time. There are going to be people, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this. So sorry. There are going to be people who never like you. There are going to be people who never like me. And that's just life. But God has your reputation. God has your back. Let's look at Psalm 37. Go over there with me. We really only have a few minutes left. We probably won't get too much farther in this. Um, Psalm 37, verses 1 through 6. I don't have it on your screen for you. But listen to this. This is, man, this is good instruction for us in the society that we live in. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Do not fret because of evil men. There are a lot of Christians today fretting. That means don't be fearful. Don't be anxious. Don't lay awake at night worrying about what evil people are doing. That's not to be our heart attitude. The scripture doesn't tell us not to stand up for truth. Okay, we can, see, we can see that in the book of Acts. They stood up for truth. But they did it with a different heart than most of what we see today. There are a lot of, and just telling you the truth, there are a lot of Christians today who honestly have far more confidence in what the political system can do for them than they do in what God can do. It, it comes down to, do we really believe that God's influence can transform hearts and thereby transform a society. So that's where our heart, that's where our trust is. Do we believe that? Or do we have more confidence? I don't care if it's in the legal system, if it's in education, if it's in a group of politicians, if it's in one party or the other. And also, no matter which side of the political fence you fall on right now, you are being inundated with information that has no other purpose but to get you into fretting and get you into fear and and then you get defensive and you get angry and you start striking out and you do not present Christ in that place. I've said this to you before, devil doesn't care how right you are as long as he can get you to act in an ungodly way in, in that situation. Doesn't care how right you are. He just wants to get you to be ungodly about it. We're Christians. We're kingdom people first. And this by no means, I think Christians should be involved in the political system, but you got to have kingdom foundation. Otherwise, you're going to get swallowed by it. I don't care how right your politics or you think your politics are. And right now, social media is such a sewer in so many places, especially around those issues. It's also a great opportunity for cleansing. It's a great, social media is a great opportunity to bring the word of God. It's a great opportunity to put out truth and then ignore the criticism. It's a great opportunity for that. So I'm not saying don't be there. I'm saying guard your heart. Because this verse tells us we don't need to fret about evildoers. They're, They're going to be, they're going to be evil people bringing about evil until Jesus is sitting on that throne in Jerusalem for a thousand years and beyond, okay? The verses go on and say, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Doing good 
is the result of trusting in the Lord, not trusting in your thoughts, your ideas, your arguments. Doing good that's actually a live good that can change things good. All right, that's the result of trusting in the Lord. You've got to have that faith in place. Do good, dwell in the land, and enjoy safe pasture. How many of you at times these days feel like, I don't have any safe pasture? But you do. You're just looking for it. You're trying to eat on the wrong side of the fence, (laughs) trying to eat the wrong stuff, you know? God is safe pasture. Again, I'm not saying pull yourself out of society. I'm not saying that at all, and I hope you don't hear that. Pull yourself out of, no, 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 no. But you got to get your heart right first, or all you're doing is throwing a different, uh, different kind of poison. You know, if if our hearts are fretting, if our hearts are angry, if we hate people on the other side of a political issue or whatever, if we hate people on the other side, that is not. You got to recognize in your own heart, this is not Christ-like. He said, love. Your enemies. Why? Again, this doesn't just mean, you know, love your enemies. Doesn't mean you have to love all their ideas. It means you have to step up into the kingdom and recognize there's a person who God loves and Jesus died for just as much as he died for me. He died for that one too. And what God's heart is, is to reach that person and to transform that person's life and bring them into the kingdom. So are we helping or hurting uh, in those issues? All right, so enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make, so here, here's another, this is the God will be the keeper of your reputation. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. When we try to make the justice of our cause shine like the noonday sun, we usually do it wrong. But God can do that, and he can do it through you, and he can do it through your words. But man, the first thing is stand submitted to him. Not letting all this stuff play. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? It's a good word whether you like it or not, okay? Um, a couple more verses here, and then we'll have to wrap it up this morning. Uh, Psalm chapter 5, verse 12. Listen to this. Psalm five twelve. I love this one. I speak it all the time. God's favor surrounds you like a shield. God's favor surrounds you like a shield. That means where you go, the favor of God goes before you, What does a shield do? A shield can be used to press through opposition, but mainly it's used to guard us. It is used to quench those fiery darts, those those accusations, those lies. You know, again, I believe no matter, uh, coming back to the political thing again, I guess, no matter which side of it we're on, no matter which side of it we're on, we're being sold lies to try and take us off track, all right? There is, and we can also stand there and recognize, there is a deception, a demonic deception like I have never seen before running through our, our society right now. When we come to the point of thinking men can be pregnant, 
that's not just natural confusion. That is demonic deception. I don't know how many actually believe that, that say it. I think sometimes it's just said. But for those who believe that, men can become women, women can become men. men now it's men can have babies. That is demonic. And the church is the only source of truth. And that doesn't mean attacking people that are caught in those lies. It means our battle, the scripture is so clear, our warfare is not with flesh and blood. Man, that's hard to remember some days. It is not with flesh and blood. It is with principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. It is, it is a spiritual battle where we can win. And people need freedom, not just on that issue. So there are a lot of lies out there. there are, but there are also lies that, oh, if you're on the other side of that subject, well, we're just all right and we just have God's heart. Well, we should act like it then because a lot of times we don't. Sorry, I'll try to get off of this. But God's favor, I want you to see yourself this way. I want you to see yourself when you walk into your job tomorrow, when you walk through our streets, I want you to see that God's favor surrounds you. So, so there's a protection there, no doubt. It's a shield. But the favor of God means you have favor. You can expect others to respond better than they would just to you, to respond to your influence better because there's favor that goes. You have favor with your employer. You have favor with other people you ought to talk to. And, and you've got to, again, when we look at these big truths, like, okay, how do I receive that favor? You got to believe it and you, you've got to stand in faith for it. Start praying it, start declaring it over yourself. This isn't about building you up. It's about your workplace, for example, being a better place because you're there. It's about the whole community being blessed because the favor of God isn't just for us. It's, it helps us, but we carry it into places. And I like to take things like that and just close my eyes and meditate that verse over and over till I can see as I walk in someplace, I believe the favor of God goes with me. If you're up against tough opposition and tough things, believe and speak that the favor of God goes with you into court. It goes with you into the lawyer's office. It goes in you, with you into the doctor's office. It goes with you wherever you have to go. It goes with you. And it's just not for just you, but it can. One thing that favor does is it, it does act as a shield. It will, this is what the Lord spoke to me the other morning, it will nullify the accusations of the enemy. So that you, it will nullify. So people are talking about you behind your back or people are throwing this or that at you. The favor of God is a shield. You don't have to defend all of that. You don't have to try and fight with those people. You don't have to do all of that. You can keep walking and stay on purpose and know that the favor of God will dissolve. It'll nullify the accusations of the enemy on your behalf. One more, one more verse here. Uh, Psalm 29, 11. And this is from the Amplified Bible. Psalm 29, 11, it says, The Lord will give. The Lord will give. Not I have to earn, not I have to work for. The Lord will give unyielding and impenetrable strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Don't fret. 
The Lord will bless his people with peace. God will establish you. God will make you strong and stable. God will give you footing to stand on. You don't have to live up and down. God will continue to reinforce your heart as you give yourself to him and strengthen you in all that you do so that you can be a strength to other people. That's part of his church's role. And I like that unyielding, and impenetrable strength. There are a couple kinds of strength. I'll just wrap it up with this. You know, there is, this kind of strength is a hardened strength. Doesn't mean a hard heart. I just mean it's it's unyielding. It won't move. It's like steel. Okay, it's, it's not going to move. When pressure is put against it, it's that kind. Things will just bounce off of it. How many of you have ever bounced off of steel? I have. Uh, it, it's it's an unyielding strength. It's uh, and again, that's not. I'm not talking about the heart. I'm just talking about your resilience, your ability to take pressure. You just you just keep going because of that kind of strength. There's another kind of strength in the scripture, all also spoken of in the scripture. That's a, a strength like a green branch, where there are times where wind comes against and and that branch gives and comes back and gives and comes back, so it's not broken. Whereas if it was dry and brittle, then it would snap off and break. Both of those kinds of strength come from the Lord. They are both promised to us. And in some situations, you need to just, you know, just let something roll off and bounce back. And in some situations, you need to be that rigid strength that stands and is unmoving in the face of opposition. God will give you both and he'll show you which one needs to be used. Does this make sense to you this morning? Let's stand up and pray today. Thank you, Lord. It seems like this is going to be a longer series than I had anticipated. <laughs> Got through a verse. All right. Thank you, Lord. Father God, Lord, again this morning, we are so blessed. Father, to be able to come before you as your children and see the incredible promises that you've given us, every one of which is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I I just ask you to be speaking to our hearts continually, breathing into us continually, empowering our faith toward you continually through this word, Lord, that as we go out as your people, as your hands and feet, as lights in dark places, as all that you have called your church to be, Lord, we can trust that you are developing the gifts you've put in us. You are developing the work you've begun in us. Father, where we're struggling internally with something, we believe it will be overcome in Jesus. We believe, Father, that the sin will not uh, dominate us, that thoughts that aren't from you won't dominate us. Lord, I, I pray for every one of us, Father, to be able to stand uh, at times, Lord, in the face of accusation or, or lies or untruths about us, Father, and just continue to love people and bless people. And, and Father, to carry your favor, God, to carry your life into places where people so desperately need it. And Lord, we thank you for that. What an honor and what a privilege for us. We just speak over this word. We pray over this word this morning. Lord, we protect it as... as um, as seed in our hearts, Lord. And we expect that it will germinate and it will produce and things in us will change to become more like you and more fruit will be born in us because of this very seed. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, we're going to be dismissed. There's a lot of snacks out there and not very many of you to eat them. So you better wolf some stuff down. All right, so if you need prayer, come on up after. I'd love to pray with you. Uh, Let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison base in the world. I appreciate you guys so much. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.